Welcome to the IQ Meets EQ podcast. I'm your host, Jackie Broman, Principal Solicitor at TBA Law and CEO of Legally Wise Women. And I'm here with Ush Danik, former corporate lawyer, then head of HR, and now an emotional intelligence coach. And it's good evening, Ush. How are you? Good. We're recording this one in the evening for you guys, <laughs> our listeners. Um, yep. We had a, an eventful morning when we normally record them and I wasn't able to do that so the joys of uh, single parenting and running around when your partner's not here (laughs) yes yes and flying all over the countryside with your child as well good fun exactly it was good yes I actually took Gia with me to the Gold Coast doing a speaking engagement and it was a great experience for her as well she was all interested so yeah it's good to try and uh, get them to tag along when we can. Mm, Yeah, yeah. I saw a couple of the photos actually that you posted, particularly one where she was vacuuming the room. Yeah. It wasn't that good. (laughs) I know. She's she's trained well. (laughs) <laughs> so Jackie we've got well you've got some news to share with our audience yeah, as well. look I do and uh, just before we started recording I was saying you know because you've spoken to our guest about imposter syndrome it's really topical uh, for me because last Friday I won the Law Institute of Victoria's Regional Lawyer of the Year Award so that was really cool but that's it was, exciting yeah yeah Um, But it doesn't sit well. And so the whole lead up all last week leading up to the awards, you know, I was one of three finalists and I just was grumpy all week. I was hot and cold about the event. I wasn't looking forward to it. Any chance that I could get out of going and I was trying to leap onto it. And then it didn't really hit until I started getting ready for the event. And then we went down and it was just a whirlwind and it was so much fun. And then, and I sat in that all weekend and, you know, posted a few videos and and photos and whatever, and got a lot of congratulations on social media. Mm. And then four o'clock Monday morning, woke up with the hugest anxiety, like, oh my God. Oh, like... I've just been driving myself nuts. <laughs> so what you're saying that, you know, you were moody and, and, you know, anxious and nervous. So what, what was that? What caused it? I was thinking, well, I don't deserve this. And then it was almost like a defense mechanism that, oh, it's a stupid award anyway. If I don't win it, who gives a shit? So it was a little <laughs> bit of that. <laughs> So you uh, didn't know, right, that you were winning the award until the evening, is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of those ones oh, where yeah. you, they announced the, the finalists and then and the winner is. Ah, cool. And how did you feel when you heard your name? Was it surreal? Was it, oh, wow? Or, or Yeah, it, no, it was, oh, wow. It was, and I was on such a high. And in fact, when I got up and did my acceptance speech, I, I get really bad sensory overload when I'm overwhelmed and so I got through it and luckily they videoed it and it was great because I cannot (laughs) remember a single thing (laughs) so I've I've always wondered about that so did you so you prepared a whole acceptance speech before you got there or did you wing it on the night no I'd prepared some dot points so I had about six things on the page of topics that I wanted Mm. to hit in a particular order 
Wow. Well, I just want to say congratulations and I'm really proud of you for achieving that. You looked amazing on the night. Yeah, thank you. And you, you spoke really, really well. Like you didn't come across as nervous, nervous at all. No. Yeah. And I suppose I wasn't really nervous. I was just completely overwhelmed. So I can't, I can't remember like my whole vision is when I've got sensory overload, I can't remember anything that I've seen. I can't remember anything that I've heard or even anything that I say or, or smell or anything. All I can remember whenever I have sensory overload, because it happens every now and then, is the position that my body is in. <laughs> so I remember oh, really? standing, gripping that pedestal. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Um, um, you know what? I'm sure a lot of our viewers could relate to that as well. It's mm-hmm. just that, you know, the, the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. So, so what was it like waking up the next day after, the, after getting the award? The weekend was fine. The weekend mm. was pretty cool because uh, I, you know, didn't have to face it. It was, yeah, cool. It's not real. It's, yeah. <laughs> and you did a little bit of a plug. We were just talking about that before we hit live. So, I know we'll talk about, you know, imposter syndrome in a little while when Mm. we um, introduce Michelle onto the podcast, but Mm. so are you shying away from talking about it and and just, Mm -hmm. you know, putting it out on your socials around what your achievement was? Mm. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a struggle to put it out there, but um, my staff's expecting it, so I couldn't get out of it. And someone else does my newsletters, and so Mm. she'd actually already prepared something to issue just in case I won, so Mm. I couldn't get out of that. And I noticed, right, because I saw it when you posted it on Facebook and I was going to share it and I couldn't even share it. So um, you, need to, you need to change that setting because I was actually going to say I'm so proud of my podcast co-host for winning this award. And I was like, damn, there's no share button. She's like, tripped us. Yeah, my privacy settings. I don't even know how to fix that. You need to change that. I'll have yeah. to give you a demo after the podcast. But hey, if you need inspiration, go look at my page. Like I'm constantly purposely shining my light and and showing, you know, and showcasing what we do. And mm-hmm. I remember my my coach saying to me that, you know, particularly women, we tend to not showcase or celebrate what we do for fear of how we're gonna be judged or if it's gonna come across as to, you know, you're up yourself, Bush, what are you That's doing? Right. But you know what? I'm I'm so over that now. I can actually say that I'm I'm proud to do that. And then I, then I look at my daughter Gia and, you know, not that she has her own Facebook account because she's only nine, but she'll, she'll look at mine and she'll be like, mom, that's so cool. What did you do? Tell me about it. And I'm like, I don't want her to feel that, you know, I'm achieving all of this stuff, but then I'm not talking about it because mm-hmm. what example is that setting for her for when she makes achievements? Mm, yes. So, yes. Oh, you're such a good role model. I know it's, it's hard. And I have been reflecting on it a little bit and it's not just a female thing. It's a little bit of a class thing as well. Um, what do you mean by class? Yeah. I, I really feel less. I feel lower class in the legal industry. Isn't that bizarre? Mm. So because I'm public school educated, because I'm a, you know, from the country, you know, I had to work full time to get myself through university. I didn't have private school networks. I couldn't participate in any of the extracurricular stuff at uni. And, and so in some ways I'm making it a lesser win as well. Cause I'm like, I'm still just a big fish in a small pool because it's not 
best small firm of the year. It's just, I'm just regional. <laughs> and hey, there'll be some regional listeners going, Oi, don't call us just regional. Yeah, I know. And you know what? It, it's such, it is. And it's such a big achievement though. And you know how I'm sure there's people that would have read that post and seen that post and go, wow, you know, look at what she's achieved. I wish I could have achieved that. And yeah, they'll be wishing that they could do exactly what you've done. So I, I think shine that light, talk else. about it. Yeah. And anyone else I would congratulate and hold them up and you know, you beat yourself down and you can't do it for yourself. Mm. <laughs> Crazy. That is so true. I, I wish we had Michelle live in this podcast because I'm sure she <laughs> she'd give me some, a talking to. She would. And maybe on that note, we'll introduce yeah. Michelle and we'll have a talk about um, some of the things that she mentioned in the interview with me. So I had the pleasure of interviewing the gorgeous Michelle Redfern. Now, Michelle is the founder of Advancing Women, an enterprise providing research and advisory services on equality, inclusion and gender diversity. She's also the founder of Social Enterprise and Professional Women's Network, Women Who Get It. And it's on Facebook. I'm a member and it is awesome. So anyone that is not on there, go and join. And Michelle is also co-founder of a social enterprise, CDW, which is Culturally Diverse Workforce. Hmm. Michelle is determined to contribute to achieving global gender equality in her lifetime, especially through her work in sport. Michelle is also a non-executive director for Williamstown Football Club and Good Shepherd Microfinance. She has held executive leadership roles, AFX and FTSE listed companies, NAB, Telstra and Serco. And Michelle's most proudest moment was to be a recipient of the Australian Financial Review's 100 Women of Influence Award in 2018. And she was also a finalist in the VicHealth EWN Community Award for her significant contribution to AFL. Michelle is also a lover of cats. I've got two cats. We should have actually got them on the video when we did the interview. <laughs> she loves writing, a footy and travel. So I had the absolute pleasure of welcoming Michelle. So Michelle, thank you for joining us. Um, we are so excited to interview you for the IQ Meets EQ podcast. So tell me about where you are. You just mentioned that you're in Port Douglas, right? <laughs> I, I am indeed. I, my wife and I and uh, a couple of our friends have, have taken a week or eight days off the grid. But of course, when you're running your own business, you're never quite off the grid, are you? So I'm in a beautiful villa in Port Douglas with the water trickling in the background and uh, look, I'm feeling very relaxed. <laughs> Amazing. So we're lucky to have the relaxed Michelle for this podcast, right? <laughs> indeed, indeed. <laughs> Excellent. So look, tell us a bit about what you've got on at the moment and, and what's, what's happening in your life right now. Yeah, so uh, there's a, a couple of different things happening. So I have um, two businesses and one social enterprise. Mm -hmm. So my, my main business being Advancing Women. My other business I'm a co-founder in is Culturally Diverse Workforces. Um, and then I've got my social enterprise, Women Who Get It. So there's always lots happening and I'm a director on a couple of boards. But um, look, what's happening at the moment is um, I've 
I've in the last month released my second research paper into leadership in sport or gender equality in leadership in sport and having some really interesting conversations with I guess the the broader sporting industry and and business sector around you know what what does it mean or how can we accelerate and when I say accelerate um, not just move really accelerate towards greater gender balance in boardrooms and, and, and leadership tables so how that plays out practically is I've got some really fantastic clients in the manufacturing, logistics, um, sporting arena. So I've got really um, diverse clients and they're all really looking to me to help them build capability and capacity in their organisations to move towards greater gender balance, inclusion and really great cultures in their organisation. So that takes all sorts of you know, shapes and forms because, uh, of course, every business is completely different. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, sounds like you've got a lot going on in a good way. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yes, I always say I, I don't use the B word, I'm busy. I say I live a deliberately full and fulfilling life. Perfect. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. The term I use is like prefer being productive over being busy. Exactly, exactly. So, Michelle, something I want to talk to you about today in this interview um, podcast with you is that, you know, the dreaded imposter syndrome. Mm. And, you know, we've heard that word and that term bandied around quite a bit. Can I get your explanation of what, what that means to you, please? Yeah, um, and as someone who was a, you know, former sufferer, I can, um, I can speak from, from experience. I think, it, you know, it's that nasty little voice in your head, um, particularly as you start to advance in your career that says you, you really don't belong here. They're, they're going to find out one day that you're not nearly as good as, as you know, they think you are. And, you know, it really is a, a sense of I don't quite belong here or, gee, I've been lucky to get here. And it's, you know, for me, it's always grounded in really not understanding enough about your own strengths and your own capabilities and accomplishments. So it's, it's that constant need to try and prove yourself that you're worthy of being there. And it can be really debilitating. Mm, absolutely agree. I remember um, I got hit with that when I left my corporate career as a lawyer and head of HR for multinationals. And I had that thing going, oh, yeah, I'm going to learn all about emotional intelligence and, and then coach people in it, which is exactly what I do now. But yeah. part of me was always saying, yeah, but you're a lawyer, you're not really a coach. And it was just that constant niggling voice, like you said. And I think you hit the nail on the head that it's it's actually not being aware about what your strengths and weaknesses are. Because I remember doing an exercise with my coach. And when I became aware of where my strengths actually did lie, uh, especially after learning EQ, I thought a lot, a lot better about where that I was, you know, going with that career progression and transition. Mm-hmm. Oh, without a doubt. And I think, you know, the... The more we can, you know, and and we know that emotional intelligence, that EQ, the very foundation of it is self-awareness. And I I certainly know from my own experience, it took me a long time to be able to learn to stop and reflect um, and also celebrate and be really, you know, thankful and grateful and appreciative of, of of myself and and the things that I've achieved. So, you know, that 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 is a really it's a cornerstone of, of beginning to overcome um imposter syndrome. In saying that, I always think it's good to have a, a checkpoint in, in your own, you know, your self-talk or your, your check-in to say, am I on track? You know, and that doesn't mean a debilitating one that says you're not worthy of being here, but that voice that says, am I on track? Am I still doing the stuff that I set out to do? Am I having the impact that I want to have? But that's a very different voice and a very different, you know, internal messaging than that sort of really debilitating, nasty, you're not worthy voice. Yeah, that's, that's a really good tip. That's awesome. So, Michelle, do you think that imposter syndrome affects 
certain professions or industries more than others in your experience? The short answer is no. The longer one is I think it depends. And, you know, to my earlier conversation about the diversity of my clients and you know what level of maturity they're at and their plans and what have you, I think it absolutely depends on the culture of the environment that you're in at the time. And I've certainly been in corporate environments and you're an ex-lawyer so you'll probably be nodding your head is you know I've been in corporate environments where it is really you know there's a very alpha culture it's dog eat dog um, win at all costs and I think those are the environments where imposter syndrome can flourish where we're conversely in an environment where it's inclusive and for me inclusive is not just around you know gender or sexuality or, or race inclusive is the way I look at it is can everyone at your leadership table openly express their views or an idea and feel okay about it and feel safe to do that? In, in those environments, I think you're less likely to see imposter syndrome. I know that's a big generalisation, Ush, but um, you know, I don't think there's one industry or one sector that particularly will see imposter syndrome flourish. But it's, it's a culture where it's not okay to fail, where it's not okay to have a great idea even if it's a bit batty um, and, and things like that. So I think it's, you know, it really does depend. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I also find that, you know, it's also, and I haven't done the research into this, but I know from speaking to people that have suffered it and coached many, that there's a, there's a big link to having imposter syndrome and also the anxiety aspect as well. And, and mental. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And, and certainly I don't, um, you know, there are so many experts around um, anxiety and mental health. And look, I myself have, have really had quite debilitating anxiety over the course of my entire life. But, um, mm. but I see it as a bit of a gift these days because I see it as something that's really helped me to be very conscious and mindful and aware of how to manage anxiety levels and understand what's causing it. Some of it is chemical. Some of it's, you know, environmental. If it's environmental, what can we do around that? But particularly as a leader, how do I, how can I make sure that the workplace and our work environment is, is set up so that people with anxiety, even mild forms of anxiety, which leads to imposter syndrome, can feel safe, that psychological safety? Because guess what? When they do, we're going to get the best ideas from them, great productivity. And, you know, it's actually be, work can be a fun place to be when, when you know, we're all in that, in that kind of zone. So... I think from a leadership perspective, even if you don't suffer from anxiety or suffer from in, in, um, imposter syndrome, super important to be aware of your teams and the people that, um, that work with you and your colleagues to say, I wonder how they might be feeling and how can I set this environment up to get the best out of them? Yeah, um, totally agree with that, Michelle. I think, you know, we've come a long way in <clears throat> talking about mental health, talking about anxiety and depression and, you know, workplaces are definitely better at having those conversations and having mental health days or even duvet days as you know some cultures and businesses have where you can ring your boss and say look I'm just not feeling that great today and you know they're able to stay home how do you or what advice do you have for leaders that may be listening where we can also encourage that sort of conversation and around the imposter syndrome because again I know I know for a fact it's a term that people feel and talk about, but there's still that stigma around talking about it um, in the workplace for fear that, you know, that they're going to be seen as not being good enough for what they're doing. Yeah, great question. And, uh, you know, leaders uh, need to lead by example. And, you know, your, your leadership casts a very long shadow, as they say. And I think one of the 
one of the greatest exercises that, that I've ever done as a leader was to um, tell, tell my leadership story or my life story and my leadership philosophy and really be transparent and vulnerable with my team. So I think leaders can set the, you know, they can set the watermark and say, hey, today's a day where I'm, I'm struggling a bit or hey, today's a day I'm on fire. Mm. Um, how do we all work around that? But also create practical ways of uh, that psychological safety is really important. So what might they do regularly with their team to say, hey, this is going to be our time together for us to connect as humans and how do we have a conversation in a safe environment about, you know, it's a check-in. How are you feeling? But really giving people the opportunity to see someone else role modelling. Um, and, and as I said, that leadership behaviour is so critical. And so, for example, one of the teams, one of my um, the, one of the greatest teams I, I ever had the privilege of leading. We had, um, we were all, we worked in um, you know, a very complex stakeholder environment we were in. So we all had all different tasks and what have you, but we agreed that as a team of humans, we would come together once a month and have our team time. And it was a, it was a time for the humans to check in with the humans. And we led off every meeting, and I thought I was bonkers at the start, but we led off with mad, sad, glad. And when I first proposed it, they said, what is that, Michelle? And I said, well, I'm going to start. I'm going to talk about what's making me mad today, what's yeah. making me sad today, and what's making me glad today. And I was really I'm glad. Wow. That's really yeah, bad. It was. And look, it, it, it was a bit clunky the first couple of times. And you could mm -hmm. see people going, at, you know, and, and psychologically speaking, they're going, is this a safe place to, to talk about what I'm really sad about? Um, mm -hmm. But for me, it was really important that I role modelled that effectively to get the best out of you. So I would say, you know, I, I'm sad today because of X, Y, and Z. And gee, I'm glad because, you know, blah, blah, blah. So really genuinely, hand on heart, being vulnerable and authentic, and authentic so I've used now, but anyway, you know what I mean. Um, and gee, it was a good session. And I knew it was successful when, oh, I don't know, we were probably seven or eight months into our sort of, you know, the way we are operating with them. And for some reason, I forgot to do it at the start of a meeting. Yeah. And the team just turned around and went, hey, 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 don't stop. Where's Mad Sad going? I went, oh, God, yes, okay, oh, of course. You know, so it was something that we could all look forward to, to just say, hey, this is where, this is my status quo right now. And the, the, the way that people helped each other and created really lasting, trusting connections, it was really just such a simple thing, but so, so effective. And, you know, and, and that's a good way back to, you know, what we're talking about in terms of imposter syndrome. It's a really great way to give people a bit of a, you know, a bit of a framework or a bit of a runway to say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling a bit at the moment. I really don't feel like I can cope or I really don't feel like I belong. And then you start getting that beautiful, hey, how can I step in and help people? Or, no, no, you're okay. You're fantastic. And get the beautiful positive reinforcement. So it's a... I think for leaders, and truly, truly, um, if we think about, you know, that those four quadrants that Goldman talks about in EQ, that relational management, managing the social system, your social system, super important, but leading by example. Yeah, I love that. I think, you know, every um, listener can take that away with the mad, sad, glad, because... Mm. I know even when I was writing this question or thinking of asking this question for you, I was going, right, as a listener, if there's a leader, it's easy for someone to say, yeah, go out there and be vulnerable and, you know, share with your team, you know, what you're struggling with. And, and that's not easy to do when you haven't created a culture that allows for that. And oh, I, yeah. And I think the mad, sad, glad is, is a really cool way to slowly start introducing that build that trust like you said and build that safe space for everyone else to communicate what's going on 
And then, you know what, I think eventually the more businesses that do that, the more leaders we're going to get out there being true to themselves and, and being honest about what they're feeling. Oh, and, and without a doubt, and, and you know, there's, there's all sorts of different ways, but to take it to a really practical level, to make it absolutely safe to start off with, um, is you can actually ask people to write what they're mad, sad and glad about on a sticky note, then they go and, and yeah. pop it on a, on a whiteboard. So they don't even have to declare um, verbally, but they can put it up there and you can group and say, okay, so it looks like we've got some things going on here. Let's talk about, you know, in the third person, what we might do to help that person. So they've got that little blanket of safety before they really step into that that vulnerable zone of, hey, this is me, and I'm really struggling today. So, you know, there's this, I, I, if you Google mad, sad, glad, there's so many different um, ways of doing it. It's a really good technique. Oh, I will, definitely. I think we'll call our podcaster episode Mad, Sad, Glad. Awesome. Absolutely <laughs> love it. <laughs> so, Michelle, the other thing I want to pick your brain and get your advice and worldly wisdom on is self-sabotage. Now I've hundred percent been guilty of it. And what I've understood is with self-sabotage, it's, it's not even a fear of failure for me. And as crazy as this sounds, it was actually a fear of success. <laughs> now, what I mean by that is, um, I, and I did a lot of work around this and, and it was around, well, I don't want to do this because if I do this, I know I can, I know I'll be good and I know I'll be successful. Mm-hmm. And then when I was looking at what the fear around the success was, it was, I wasn't really equipped to deal with that. And also it was, I didn't know what next. So it's like, you know, we're driven to be, you know, goal achieving beings, you know, as Bob Proctor, who's one of my coaches teaches us, but we don't actually talk about what next. So if we are, you know, achieving, achieving, and we're being successful, then we hit that goal. It's mm. almost like, you know, what next? And, and I found myself sabotage linked to a fear of success as opposed to fear of failure, which is quite common. And we've, we've heard that term a fair bit too. What's your thoughts on, you know, self-sabotage with fear of success? Yeah, look, it's a really timely question. I'm, I'm mentoring a, an extraordinary woman at the moment. She's, um, an elite athlete and you know she she has quite openly said the thing that's holding me back is my fear of just how successful or powerful I could be wow. yeah and you know so good on her for being that transparent and it's been a really fascinating conversation and relationship because I, I keep saying to her you know I think for, for me it's around saying so what really matters to me at the heart of everything to strip everything away what really matters to me what do I love what makes me tick and the goals along the way are just a bit, they're kind of stepping stones. So I suppose I'll come back to that, you know, that emotional intelligence again. So what do I, what, what do I love? What am I good at? What, what do I know about myself? Because I think then you can start to say, well, okay, I've got on the podium and I've got the gold medal in, in, in her instance. So the next thing I can do is then channel that into the, my broader, my broader purpose, my higher purpose, which is to make a difference for my community. And my success in, in this particular athletic pursuit is going to give me kudos and credibility to have a greater impact across the, you know, the community and the corporate sector. And she went, oh, I hadn't thought about it like that. So I said, if, if they, they've got to be stepping stones, but I think it's more around saying, what, are stepping stones towards what? Stepping stones towards my higher purpose. And again, this takes a lot of work to say, what does really matter to me? I entered the earth and it was in this um, state. I'm going to exit the earth at some point. What do I want to have you know, my life to have stood for? And if everything is aligned to that, there will always be something else to go for. So it's a, but, but it is a fascinating one. It's kind of stretched my thinking a bit in the last you know, 12 or 18 months. I think, gee, 
I'd been so used to talking to people about the fear of failure versus this fear of success. That's quite fascinating. And I haven't personally felt that way. So mine has absolutely, when when I was at my worst, it was the fear of being found out that I was really not very good, which of course was just ridiculous, but um, it was the fear of failure. What happens if I stuff up? And, you know, it's a really interesting one, this fear of success. And, you know, what do you do to overcome it? I, I Again, I think it's about saying, who am I? What do I really care about? What do I really want out of my whole life? And this is merely one of the bits along the way. In a practical sense, you know, I look at um, to my children who are 24 and 28, and that uh, generation is going to have two, three careers in their lifetime if we think about workplaces. So there is so much um, going on, but it's about being really clear that you know, this is just, just one goal. There are other things in life. And I suppose the other thing too for, for me personally was learning to, frankly, diversify my life. I had a lot of my own self-image, self-worth um, and status wrapped up in my day job, you know, and, and my job was it. And I kind of, you know, obviously hit a couple of um, speed bumps along the way, as we all do, and, and luckily learned from that to say, well, okay, I need to have other interests outside my work. Well, what would they be? Okay, so what do I care about? So that's when I really started getting involved in, you know, sport, um, contributing to the community, and particularly around gender equality and doing a lot around gender equality over and above my day job. And gee, it made for a, a much a much more fulfilling life because, you know, okay, so if things stuffed up at work, that wasn't my everything. I had other things that were important to me. So that's a really long answer, but um, no, you know, that's, that's great. I think it's you know really uh, in summary, really understanding who you are and what you love and what you care about, and then making sure you've got a different bunch of things going on in your life, so that you know don't have all your eggs in one basket. I suppose is the best way of putting it. Because you know sometimes you know things things go bump in the night right in, in whether it's work whether it's home family whatever it may be but if that's the one-on-one only thing gee it's hard to kind of you know, it's hard to lift your head up out of that if that's the only thing you've got going on in your life yeah absolutely no that's a really really good answer and you, you know I think you're right I don't think enough people are talking about you know the fear of success because it can almost sound a bit egotistical oh absolutely you and know? we oh. are very we are very good in Australia at the tall poppy syndrome you know don't you get too big for your boots so. right. and I think for me the the distinction I always made and especially I coach um you know a fair bit of people in this was that you know, the difference between fear of success and fear of failure, um, well, for me personally, was just that belief. So I think the moment you've got that belief that you can get to your goal and you've already analysed, you know, the worst case scenarios, if you don't and you've addressed the fear, mm. then you know that you can do this and you can see that, like, you know, that, that athlete that you're coaching can see that gold medal in sight. And then it's that, you know, what next? And I think you nailed it by saying, you know, have other things around you that you're interested in as well. Yep. So that when things do go bump, it's, it's not as scary as it might be initially. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, um, you know, and this sorry. is the whole thing about having a, a, you know, a full and fulfilling life um, is, you know, yes, there's, there's a lot going on, but also it's you know, do stop and smell the roses because we are, you know, we are very goal oriented and, and achievement oriented. Because the other thing that I said to her is, I want you to really celebrate where you've come from to where you are now. And uh, you know, how often do we stop and give ourselves a pat on the back? Not often enough. So that's, you know, give yourself a reward, and that reward might be as simple as, I'm just going to write myself a really nice letter. 
and say congratulations and, and well done. So, you know, there, there's all sorts of ways of, of managing that. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that. And um, so what's, talking to goals, what's, what's your goal for the rest of the year? What, what do you want to achieve for the, yeah. the 29th? Yeah, some pra- some practical goals. So I've got um, I've got three more research reports to to finish around the status of um, women in sport, and mm-hmm. um, so I'm I'm working diligently on that. And and my research is really practical. So I want them you know the the, the whole research series is designed to be a playbook. Pardon the pun um, for sports leaders to say you know. Yes, we know that there's an opportunity and a problem, but here's what you can do about it. So that's that's a, a practical goal. Um, I've got some some goals around both the boards that I'm on, and, and particularly the, the the football. I'm a director on a VFL club, and and obviously our on-field success and things like that. But from a personal level, I'm really really committed to getting more women into sports directorship so my goal is to be as visible and vocal around just how what a, what a really fulfilling role being a sports director is and how much we really need the diversity of thought so having lots of impact and and speaking of impact my goal is to you know, I do myself a little impact report at the end of the year so I've got some some you know I guess I've got my financial metrics around my business I've got my client metrics and then it's around so how much impact did I have how many women and men have I been able to have a positive impact on so that that's pretty much it for me <laughs> that's great mm. and um just one question i want to ask you I remember uh, someone asked me a couple of weeks ago and it was it was um interesting how we answer it now having all the awareness we have is you know if you were to give advice to your younger self what would that be right now Oh, that is a good question. I, in fact, I had to write my 20-year-old self a letter as a contribution to a book a few months ago. And my, and I thought, oh, yeah, I'll tell her this. And I thought, hang on, I'm really going to use this opportunity to stop and reflect and think about my 20-year-old self versus my now nearly 54-year-old self. And, and what would I do? And, and my advice is twofold. One is to stop and think a bit more and listen to that inner voice that is telling you that, perhaps you should think more coherently about what you really love and what you really care about. I was, and the other part, which is linked, is to be far more courageous. I was far less courageous, wanted to fit in, Mm. wanted to be part of the pack, you know, so wanted to belong when I was 20, which for me meant that I made, I made decisions, which I I, I don't regret because I don't believe in regrets. You can't change the past, but it it led me to make decisions that, that frankly, knowing what I know now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't make, but, in saying that they've also made me who I am so stop and think and listen to that inner voice and you know and and for me my inner voice was there must be something more to life than this thing I've got mapped down in front of me no this I'm meant to be doing something and that was always my my little nagging inner voice not the imposter voice (laughs) it was you're meant to be doing something there's something that you're really good at and I didn't listen to that one often enough and it wasn't until you know 20 years later that I started listening of course I'm doing what I'm doing now but also be more courageous you know really and it's interesting people say Jim where's Michelle you're always very courageous and very forthright but I think I I let some things go through to the keeper that I I wouldn't do today um so that those would be the two things stop and listen slow down listen to that inner voice and and be courageous I love that yeah it's so true you know Mm. that whole stop and listen you know like you said we're just 
constantly in that race to whatever finish that we've got in our head. Yes. <laughs> it's just, you know, just constant, constant that we, and, and then when we do take that time out, there's a little bit of guilt associated, associated with that too. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Just trying to remove that guilt. Thank you, Michelle. That's been so good to talk to you. And I can't believe how quick those 30 minutes have gone. <laughs> That's always the way. Always the way. A good chat. You think, oh, where's the time gone? Thank you. Um, our listeners are in for a treat. So tell us or tell the listeners where they can get more information about um, or where to contact you. Yeah. So um, I'm very, very uh, prevalent across the socials, but my, my website is michelleredfern.com. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. Uh, I'm on Instagram at uh, Advance with Michelle, and my uh, I have a wonderful Facebook group called Women Who Get It, which is my uh, social enterprise. That, um, professional I love women. that. I'm part of that. <laughs> yes, you are, and it's uh, you know it's a really welcoming, inclusive, helpful group of women. God, there's nearly across all of it. We've got I think it's three and a half thousand women, which is it's just grown. it's grown a lot in the last six months, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, from it's in fact, it's nearly three years old. For something that started out as, I thought, I thought I'd have some, you know, interesting chats with my feminist friends and a couple of dinners. It's now this sort of juggernaut, which is, um, it's interesting. Um, but it just goes to show when there's a need or an unmet need in a community, if you can fill it, that's that's awesome. So yeah, so that's where you can find me. I, I'm not hard to find. Google Michelle Redfern, and you, my LinkedIn will come up, and I'm I'm always there. So I'd love to hear from people. Excellent. Thank you, Michelle. We really appreciate your time and we hope you enjoy the rest of your holidays. Thank you, Ocean. I certainly will. It's uh, very, very nice to be off the grid and, uh, and relaxing. Thank you. It was a really good interview. Wasn't it just? What was a highlight for you? And then I'll, I'll share with you what mine was. So the mad, sad, glad thing mm. and the reason why we're calling this episode mad, sad, glad was just great and I've been thinking about introducing something similar into my staff meetings but I just I can't share with my staff <laughs> <laughs> why can't you share what's what's up with that oh because sometimes they drive me mad <laughs> so if I'm mad sad glad <laughs> so what topic ones I'm mad p.s at you <laughs> yes <laughs> but I'm really glad I have you yeah that's um, right that's yeah. right. So it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? It is. It is. And I found the mad, sad, glad interesting, actually. So when, when Michelle was explaining that concept, like I've, I've been in meetings where we do the traditional, you know, you celebrate the wins and mm. you talk about, you know, the challenges you've had. But the, the mad bit was quite interesting. Like I was, it got me really curious to go, if I was in a meeting and my leader said what they're mad at, like... What what am I gonna feel? And I think initially when she said it, I would I was thinking I, I would have respect for them for being open, honest, and vulnerable. So I think normally as a leader to think, you know, oh, what if I share something around what's got me mad? It might make me look less of a leader. Mm. Whereas just from my point of view, like I said, when I was listening to Michelle saying that, it for me it was the opposite. Yeah. Okay. I, well, I can take it that way too, because I could just go, okay, I'm mad at something happening in the world or I'm mad at something happening in my industry because then it reinforces who I am and my values. Yeah. I just, yeah. I love that concept and it's just a matter of getting my head around it, but I think it's a way of being authentic and, and being more open and honest, isn't it? In a quick way, like just short and sharp so on that note i'm i'm gonna ask you when 
are you going to introduce that in your in your law firm? <laughs> challenge is out there um so i've got a weekly friday staff meeting so why don't i do it this friday hey yeah and um let us know how you go with that and then yep. we can share that with the audience mm, okay we'll do the other the other thing that i i really enjoyed talking to michelle about that you'll hear in the interview is um when we spoke about the fear of success over the fear of failure oh and I was just fascinated with, you know, how she gave the example of the person that she was mentoring in sports as well. And it was really interesting to hear from Michelle to go, you know, it's not just in leadership, it's in different areas, right? And normally when, you know, when we do these interviews, we think of leaders in a boardroom, we, you know, we think of leaders just in a law firm, you know, or in an mm. accountancy firm or in a corporate. And it was just so refreshing to hear of it from a different industry. And I almost felt a bit guilty for not thinking of them as leaders. But so, yeah, outside of the topic, I was just fascinated with her talking about a leader in, in sports. In sport, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is, you know, in a spotlight even more so than a leader of a business, really, aren't they? Potentially. That's right. At that level. That's right. Mm. But so, also, I was thinking when she was talking about that, even a leader of a community group, because even you know, she talked about the tall poppy syndrome and that's particularly relevant in regional Victor uh, regional Australia still. And when you're doing things in community groups, because you're all coming together and no one can be seen as more than anyone else and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So mm. then how do you lead together rather than lead as, uh, well, you couldn't, you can't lead as an authoritarian, can you? You've got to lead um, by example. Yeah, that's interesting. So what do you mean lead by example then if you can't with, with the whole tall poppy syndrome, what, what do you mean? You're the one that comes up with the ideas and and starts generating how things are going to happen and you're the one mm. doing most of it and then people will get on board and you can ask them to help you in certain things, but you are actually the driving force rather than standing somewhere and going this is what's going to happen you're going to mm. make it happen right okay so leading by example and mm. directing more so and more so facilitating is that what you mean yeah more facilitating than directing isn't it yeah mm. yeah that's interesting mm. yeah look i haven't really given the whole tall poppy syndrome too much thought to be honest and maybe that's because i'm from the uk and you know maybe it's not really yeah it's, it's not really front of mind for me and mm. Also, because in my coaching, I know that I've always been encouraged to, to think of the opposite of that. So, yeah, no, that was really interesting for Michelle to raise that as well. Yeah. So, so with, with, with the fear of success, is that something you have, Jackie? Uh, yes. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. In, in what way? I am terrified of being out in front and centre to be criticised. I'm terrified that... I won't live up to my own expectations or others. So if I go about things quietly, I won't disappoint anyone. Mm. And I'm terrified that if I was successful, there would be a whole lot more people asking things of me. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. And so you mean that in case you don't know how to deal with that? Mm. Yep. That is so fascinating. Yeah, I... I, I really resonate with that and I, I, you'll hear it in the interview. But for me, it was, I'm, I'm so goal oriented and mm. the fear of success for me was once I hit that goal, what next? 
Oh. Like, what if I can't? What if I can't come up with a goal that's yeah. that's bigger and better than the goal that I've currently got, which is huge anyway? Yeah. And then I'm scared of well, I've achieved that, and then what if I just like lose my mojo and I can't think of the next goal, and then I go backwards? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm scared of that in some ways because um, I know that behaving a certain way and being really goal orientated as well helps me achieve. And so if, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, go with the flow and things will come in their own time. And I'm like, Mm. I can't let that happen. Like I've got to drive it because if I'm going with the flow, who's going to drive anything and what's going to get done? So that's your high IQ because I'm the opposite. I don't worry about the how. Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm much more on if I'm focused and my emotions are in control, right? And I'm at ease, then I'm allowing the how to be received better. Like I know that I know the how. I've got I've got faith in myself that I know how to do it. Mm. But I feel that if I get worked up or I you know, go into my OCD mode and, and want all the logical answers, then I'm not going to be able to receive the answers. <laughs> I don't trust the answers are just going to come. Oh, the concept of know your place. Oh, yeah. Know your place in the world and don't exceed it and don't, don't outgrow the others around you. Wow. Mm. Oh, my gosh. That's, um, so that's really putting you in a box. And mm. so is there guilt if you think outside yes. of that? Yep. Yeah. It's guilt and also thinking that you're better than everyone else. So is that from your upbringing and your parents? Yep. Yep. Do they still think that way or have you, you know, do they now go, oh, you know, that wasn't right? And Oh, no, I don't think it's really overt. Yeah. They keep me grounded, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. You need to spend some time with me on more regularly than our but there you go um, so I'm sure there's heaps of women out there who grew up with the exact same thing you know growing up knowing your place Mm. yeah I'm I'm fascinated by that I would love to hear from anyone in our audience um especially in light of you know how you've overcome that and you know what what they've done just to not feel that way again every day is a battle (laughs) Mm. that is fascinating Mm. Mm. that's fascinating Yeah, that was great with Michelle. Great chat. Um, And I hope everyone gets a lot out of it. So where can they find, where can people find you to continue the conversation? Yeah, so I'm at ushdanik.com. That's my website. So head over there and um, feel free to contact us via the podcast as well. Yes, the podcast website, iqmeetseq.com.au and .com. I think I've got that redirected too. So um, if you can't find our direct websites you can go to that one and there's links there um, links to all the episodes uh, links to my website jackiebroman.com as well and through work I'm at TBA Law um, so love to hear people from people and love to continue the conversation and please um, subscribe leave us a review yes and so for those of you who leave us a review um, between now and the end of well, mid-July probably. I'm trying to work out how long eight weeks is since we launched. So we've got eight weeks to get into new and noteworthy. So we're going to run a competition 
uh, to for those who leave us a review and then we'll draw it randomly. So let's make it the 12th of July, shall we? For those who leave yep. a review before the 12th of July, we have, well, I'm contributing two bottles of Tabilk wine. And for me, uh, we're going to do um, some apple pods. So we thought we'd do um, a little bit of the tech, a little bit of the nice softness, and you know maybe you can have a glass of wine while you're listening to our podcast with your earpods. Yeah, that's great. Those apple pods are so cool. I actually haven't got any myself. I've still got the cords. But oh, hey, well, I'm I'm using them now. I use them for our podcast, and yeah, I use them all the time. So, so actually, we should make that a criteria that the uh, winner has to listen to our podcast with them while drinking a, a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, send us a photo after they've won. Send us a photo. By 12th of July, leave us a review, please, on iTunes or any of the other podcasts where we are, and we'll go and find them and pop your names all in a hat, and we'll draw that after the 12th of July and get that out to you. Course terms and conditions have to be over 18. If you're overseas, we're going to keep our um, prerogative to say, well, it's a bit much for us to get it to you. Um, but we'll decide that depending on who wins. Yeah. Sound fair? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. And yes, look, please help us get to new and noteworthy. It's um, an awesome challenge for us and, and we're, we're stoked that you're supporting us. So thank you. Mm. Geez, these chats are going quicker and quicker. I know. I know. It's time to end, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is. Um, so uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Take care. Bye.